0: I look up and I've got the two little boxes in the little window and on my left, I've got not only do I have stereotypical as all get out blue colored long sleeve (laughs) colored shirt. Like it's that blue. It's like business blue, (laughs) right? Where it's like, is it white? Is it blue? I can't tell. Then I've got glasses, (laughs) new glasses. So that's, that's another new thing. No beard still. We're still in the no beard phase. I think we're going to come out of that pretty soon though. I feel like it's we're rounding the corner on that, hopefully. Then we've got a tie with all kinds of boxes all over it. <laughs> Diamonds, I guess you could say, which is kind of a that's like a, a a power play for for, you know, closing deals. And then we've got the coffee cup, which is a, a proper, you know, cup cup.
1: Yeah, and it's just
0: all very businessy today, and I don't know what to think. Then I go to my right, on on the little boxes, and we've got Martin over here in just a regular, you know, t-shirt with the. They're actually sloth.
2: pajamas with a sloth on them. That's right. Total opposite. So, end so of that's kind
0: of that's the that's my two worlds that I'm
2: that I'm looking <laughs> at right now. Although I must make an observation just quickly before you launch in, Andrew, uh, the tie. Subtle hemispheric views, bluey-yellow theme happening there? Is that deliberate? Of
0: course
1: it's deliberate,
2: yes. Okay, good. Continue.
1: And his brand new hemispheric views tie clip. That's not a bad idea, actually. (laughs) Put that on the list. Um, You're constantly giving me hassle about me being tie guy. And so I felt that it was probably time to step up to the plate and actually be the man that you profess me to be. So here I am. Buttoned up, ready to go. I feel like it's an AGM, so if we if we want to move to agenda item one point one, we We're more than welcome <laughs> to. Um, but I will be running a tight ship tonight. Do you know the worrying thing is I actually don't wear ties as much as I used to at all anymore. And I, and I actually pulled out a white shirt to begin with, and I put it on. And look, I don't know whether it's quarantine or just aging or what have you, but. I think I might've packed on a few pounds because the uh the little button that goes around the neck that holds the tie all together. Yeah, that wasn't meeting. That was not there.
2: <laughs> <laughs> bit of suffocation.
1: So I had to switch to the blue shirt. And even this one, this is like my larger shirt. And this one kinda of struggled. I'm I gotta hit the gym, boys. <laughs>
0: In seriousness, you you recently did that work related podcast did you accidentally think you were recording another one of those right now and then when you when you fired up skype it was like oh
1: <laughs> hi guys that's a great irony i recorded my work podcast and i was wearing a t-shirt at the time <laughs> now i'm here for amiss reviews and i'm all booted and suited although not entirely i'm doing newsreader style guys hang on
2: there it is oh my okay. goodness i did not expect
1: so, that a bit too much yeah. information there maybe
2: Love it. Uh, A a, a lot of uh, leg, really.
0: I mean, better than the other way around, really, for for a recording, right? (laughs) Who knows where that tie would be?
2: (laughs) It's true. I remember Ricky Gervais in his first stand-up special. He talked about a guy he was friends with who imagined that it would be more romantic or sensual or appealing to be with a mermaid who was the other way around, and he was perplexed that you would want a fish head on legs.
1: It is a super good reason to be we wearing a tie, ladies and gentlemen, we have got a new business proposal. We're hitting a more professional stride now. Some of you have helped us out in the past. You helped us out. You bought us fires. <laughs> you went and did the buy me a coffee. And we appreciate both of those things. Some of you went to Store Envy and bought stickers and T-shirts. We appreciate that too. But we know that was challenging. <laughs> so you're hearing me. Fi. Buy me a coffee, Store Envy. Ko-Fi, buy me a coffee, Store Envy. Are you getting me? We're merging those three things into a whole new technology that we're calling
2: Patreon. That's original.
1: That's right. Synergy. (laughs) Patreon. That member service that you know and love from a thousand other sites already? Yeah, we've got that too. (laughs) So get rid of Ko-Fi buy me a coffee, smoosh it all together. And we are opening the curtain, unveiling the beautiful, wonderful, blue and yellow hues of the Hemispheric Views Patreon supporter site. Patreon.com slash
0: Hemispheric Views.
2: What we're doing, we're expanding the Hemispheric Views universe. So the show that you love will persist. As you love it no, nothing's really changing here but you're going to find some sweeteners you're going to find three different levels where you can show your support for a certain hemisphere you can go global you can essentially be a super fan and depending on what you get you might get access to some extra content there might even be some sort of merch deals there Maybe even exclusive space to continue talking you should check out the link in the show notes and find out which level of sweetener you want to go for do you think that's fair
0: yeah i i just look at it as a nice simplistic easy one-stop shop to get everything you could want, plus bonus extra stuff that isn't just randomly available on this thing we call the internet.
2: Right, so sign up today. That's your instruction. Uh, The Feldfoot's coming down. I'll know who didn't sign up. (laughs) He knows people. (laughs) Who put app tracking transparency in the list? Do we want to discuss this?
0: I don't really want to get into like super fine detail about it. I just think the whole thing has become very confusing. And I'm supposed to know about all this crap, right? Like it's been this whole thing between Apple and Facebook, you know, crying at each other about tracking and so forth, mostly crying from Facebook. And then then they turned and said, oh, actually it's fine. Cause I'm sure they found some loophole that they're gonna exploit to, to track people anyway, cause it's Facebook and then i was reading a couple articles where it was referred to as att in all caps for app tracking transparency and i thought they were talking about at&t the carrier and it sounded very disparaging at first and i was like oh shoot what's going on between apple and at&t that seems like a problem but it wasn't it was this and then like 14.5 beta has been in beta forever and i've been on the beta forever And when you're on the betas, you kind of tend to forget about what actually was in it once it comes out. So it'll come out. Everybody's like, oh, we get these five features. And it's like, oh, shoot. Yeah, we've had those for a long time. I guess it's off by default. So when everybody was talking about, okay, when this comes out, you got to go flip the little switch so nothing can track you or whatever. And I never got any of these pop-ups on my phone. I never got anything talking about it. I went and looked, well, it was off. So I guess the option is you turn on an option to even allow people to ask for permission, I think. It's, I don't know, it's its kind of weird. I think it's off by default. I don't know if you guys have looked at it
1: yet, but. I'm, I didn't get on the beta track. Mine was on by default.
2: Oh, and. Is that the one? Allow apps to request to track? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Is yours on or off, Martin?
2: I turned it on, I think.
1: See, this is where it gets confusing. Mine was off in that it was already preventing the request. Yes. So it was immediate denial as, as default. Right.
0: And I think that's how mine is as well.
2: Yeah. So should it be off? Is that what you're saying?
1: I don't know. I think that's what's
0: confusing about it. It's because there was supposed to be this system in place to allow me to granularly say yes or no, if a certain app can do it. But if the default is it's not even going to ask and just auto block everything, it's a little bit scorched earth in a way. And I I mean, I, I don't have a dog in that fight in terms of advertising, so I guess I'm fine with it, but it just seemed kind of confusing. And I don't know what the normal, what, what would actually make me want to go in and say yes i want to start getting bothered with a thousand things saying can i track you you know like everybody already is annoyed with notifications why would i want to enable more notifications
1: i mean this is the ultimate power of defaults right apple yeah. can apple can choose a default and suddenly a billion iPhones are not sending data and yeah. they don't get they don't get the opportunity to even ask because The default is no. And I think that's what the default is. Now you've got me questioning everything I thought. I could be
0: completely wrong and there could be, you know, a billion people screaming at their phone right now at how dumb I am for saying this. But it just, it seems like there was a lot of buildup about all this choice that you were going to have except the 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 overarching umbrella choice was chosen for you so forget all that other crap that we talked about i don't know it's 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 an interesting one for sure because i i just don't know what to really make of it
2: is it possible that you know it works as we kind of expected but it's been worded in a way that's a little bit vague or isn't shoved in people's faces the moment they update because you know it's not like a splash screen that comes up upon the end of updating. So the function exists as intended, but it's not pissing off the likes of Facebook or people who want to collect your data. So Apple's doing the right thing, but not being too pushy or direct. Like they kind of took the bite out of a little bit. I I was assuming that actually.
0: I just started to change my mind when i've not gotten a single you know with the three thousand apps that i have installed not one of them has popped up
1: and asked for anything that seems highly unlikely so which which way just to clarify which way is your toggle is your toggle set to off like black or is it green on green my
0: toggle is off and i believe was off for me i don't yeah, unless yeah. again the beta has been you know 800 months now so there may have been some point where i was like ah turn that off i don't even want to see it so that's possible i'm not sure what it looks like on a new install
1: well mine was new because i don't get do the betas at betas and i went in to look at it and was like oh it's turned off and then i went through that thought process
2: yeah my, mine is toggled to show green because i understood it to mean okay you will have the option. With these dialogue boxes To say no don't do that But I will be asked That's how I understood the instruction
1: Yeah So we need to we need to find the copywriter at Apple That wrote that little bit of text And say Less of the double negatives And give us a clear instruction Can we ask our um, audience Please give us some feedback on this one Because between the three of us None of us have an idea right And we're supposed to be informed about this stuff So it'd be great to hear what others have discovered about App tracking.
2: Or at least if people have received the dialog box, even if they don't get it themselves. Yeah.
1: Is yours just off by default?
0: And if so, what on earth would make you turn it on?
1: You might miss out on those sweet customized ads.
2: Oh, I love getting ads for the surface on Twitter. It's great. (laughs) It's not a joke either. (laughs) More things that start with A. I can see Apple Arcade in the list. I'm interested to talk about this, although I didn't add it. Is this another one of Jason's?
1: I bet it is.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Speak.
1: Jason's running on about three of th- three of six cylinders at the moment, I think. I'll keep targeting it. Yeah,
0: Apple Arcade, I would just say, is really finally coming into what I think everyone thought it was going to be. I don't know if it has staying power. I mean, obviously, when a company like that that's behind it is as big as it is, they can choose to run it at a at a loss as long as they want or as long as they feel like it's still providing them some value. Um, but I know in the beginning of Apple Arcade, it was like a big, big launch, lots of games. It was a big deal, kind of fizzled out for a little while. Then it felt like somebody sort of remembered that Apple Arcade was a thing that they needed to keep you know, going. It wasn't just going to just, Put it in the world and it was going to take over by itself you had to keep you know feeding the feeding the apple arcade machine so i think it's it felt like we got a bunch of new deals coming in and new games and it's been good for me personally i've been playing a lot of apple arcade lately and i'm just now starting to wonder if there is a kind of third act for apple arcade or if I thought the third act was going to be a new Apple TV, to be perfectly honest. I thought there was going to be, you know, Apple TV, whatever fifth gen, whatever generation we're on with the, you know, M1 chip that does crazy graphics. And now your TV, some some kind of Apple type chant of like, you know, forget the new PS5 and Xbox Series X, you've already got the next gen, you know, some some crap like that is what i was expecting and here's a here's a you know game controller maybe that we've made and we've you know done 800 billion hours of research to find out that this is the you know the one true game controller and you know half the world would hate it half the world would love it and then you know we'd be off to the races with a new gaming platform that didn't happen um I guess iPhone is still the biggest gaming platform or whatever. I think they usually say, "That's fine." I'm not a big phone gamer person. Um, I still, I guess, I'm old. I still prefer, you know, sitting in front of the TV (laughs) like an old person playing games. (laughs) Well, it's bigger. uh, Sounds better. Makes perfect sense. Yeah, Apple Arcade just it—it feels like one of those services that's so damn good, and yet. it feels like it just keeps getting pushed right up to the line and then it kind of rolls back down and then we roll it back up the hill and it kind of rolls back down. I I don't know what the kind of general world consensus is, is on it. I don't hear about it a lot. You know, there's not a lot of stuff being written about it. The the typical blogs will write up, you know, some little thing if there's new games just to kind of be, have their full coverage. But Apple Arcade is just a weird one to me. I, I, it's super cheap. It's five bucks a month for all the games. You get it for free if you know for free if you're with Apple One and all that. I, I don't know. You, you guys both have it, obviously. I don't. I, do you use it at all? Do Andrew, you have kids? Do your kids use it at all? And do you ever hear anyone talking about anything related to Apple Arcade out in the world?
2: Andrew, you go first.
1: Okay, well to answer the very first question about the kids playing it. No, I Actually the one who so my, my eldest is like 10 he's he's either Playing Roblox or something like that or he's on the switch playing a game there Apple arcade kind of just goes into this No, man's land that he's not showing any interest in huh. um, a younger son He would actually be more liable to do it because he quite likes getting on an iPad and playing a game but he's, uh, there's no game suitable for him. He's just that little bit too young for there to be really be anything fantastic. So he kind of misses out as well. Moving on to me, I, I just find the games to be a little bit boring. You know, they're, not, they're not the AAA sort of games that you would find. So many of them are designed around that iPhone sort of approach of you've got five minutes to kill. Let's have a quick. Puzzle level that you can do one-handed So Everything is built around A tiny screen, a tiny by Gaming standards, that sort of screen So even if it's on the Apple TV and they make it Available on that, it's pointless Because it's not really ever designed For that device It is an iPhone device First and foremost They make it cross-compatible because they have to As part of the terms of the contract But that's that's not where the money's at. So so yeah, I've got a few of the games installed and they just don't have any staying power for me. I'll play them for half an hour. I don't even, I see the icon and I'm almost like, ugh, I have no desire to load that again. Even if it was sort of captivated me for the 30 minutes I played it, I know that it's just another 99 levels of the same thing at a slightly more increasing difficulty level. No, it's not working for me. I'm paying for it. I'm paying for the Apple One premium Give us everything you've got planned. So I get it. But if it went away tomorrow, I wouldn't miss it. They got a bit closer with the bringing in the old games that were actually good paid games. You know, the sort of the previous generation of games have been brought into the arcade world. And I like that. But that's not because Apple Arcade's good. That's because those games were good when they were made. And now Apple has bought them. And the one I'm looking forward to is Forensic. Because I have great memories of playing Forensic on my iPod Touch um, Going to work every day on the bus So I hope that the rewrite of Forensic Sort of brings back some happy memories for me Apart from that, like there's just nothing huh. Nothing doing I tried playing, probably the other one is Wonderbox To be fair, that's really quite good Although again, I'm not very good at it And maybe this is a more of a reflection on my gaming skills But again, I sort of I played it. I tried to play Jason's level, and I think that was the straw that broke the camel's back. He destroyed me. (laughs) His pyramid. I couldn't figure it out. It's too hard. So now, Apple Arcade's just, I'm not loving it.
2: Yeah, adding my two cents, I agree with a lot of what you said, Andrew. The thing for me, besides the fact that a lot of the games seem to be built for the iPhone, is that Apple kind of thinks that everyone in the world loves puzzle games, and I really. Don't enjoy puzzle games very much. I'm happy to give Wonderbox a go, and I know there's that puzzle element to things, but I really like a bit of a racing or an action game. Racing games on Apple Arcade, if they are there to me, are mostly rubbish. I don't like things that have assistive controls, which really comes from that touch-first iPhone world. I would like something like a Forza or a Gran Turismo. Not really happening. Found that in a separate paid rally game. Uh, the first thing that I tried that I really liked that had a controller requirement was actually Samurai Jack. I don't know if either of you two have tried this or heard of the franchise. I think it was a TV show or set of games years ago. I had no knowledge of it, but Samurai Jack is like a third person game where you are directing this samurai around actually fighting things fighting enemies and the controller has buttons that do different moves and you can control both the movement and the perspective with the two joysticks and all of the heads up display or separate controls recede so it's purely the action of what's going on now i'm not saying this game has the most realistic graphics or most cutting-edge sort of look of any games that you would find on PlayStation or Xbox, but it felt like a console-first game, and I thought, "Aha! Uh-huh, finally I've got something to invest some time in. This is fun. This feels like it was made for a physical controller. So to me, that's what I'm really looking for. I want something where I'm diving into a story or running around. Puzzles and things don't really do it for me. Something that I'd love Apple to do, and I know this is probably terribly unrealistic, but they have the money to buy things. The real appeal of Apple Arcade to me is the fact that it is a subscription. Now, I've never thought that subscription was a good word before necessarily. You're chucking money into something that you don't necessarily use, like a gym or newspapers delivered to your door. Not a great word. But in this case, because you're paying for things that live in this database, this thing that is the App Store, you assume that they're not going to go away. They're part of this staying library. And I think about the fact that I have this Xbox 360 plugged in under my TV, and it's there mostly for nostalgic purposes to fire up an old game. But then I think about the fact that my absolute favorite console game of all time, critically smashed as it was at the time, is the game Enter the Matrix. Enter the Matrix is not compatible on that Xbox 360 even after post-update. It is locked away on original Xbox, Low resolution, the disc tray isn't even opening properly anymore than the one that I have. And I think, (laughs) why on earth is my absolute favorite console game not playable on anything unless I have some Windows PC emulator? Unacceptable. So I think to myself, why can't Apple go out and cherry pick these long forgotten awesome games and somehow reprogram or recalibrate them and just own them and put them on the platform? People might look look at me and think, you're being ridiculous, Martin, but think of something weird and imaginative that's what i'm getting at put on classics that you can't get anywhere else and then have some staying power game
0: preservation is a huge issue yeah overall and it's only going to get worse honestly it's already difficult like if you go to archive.org there's a bunch of different roms on there from generations of consoles which is great but much of that stuff was pre all this DRM crap or at least it was in the beginning of DRM when it's very easily crackable (laughs) so now it's like you know 20 years from now the games we have today are going to be very difficult to find and or play to your point so I don't know what the answer is but it sure would be nice to have some kind of steward with a crap ton of money to just say hey we're gonna we're gonna archive all of this stuff and make it playable in some way. I, I don't know what that looks like to your point. Would they do it? Probably not because there's not gonna be, you know, services revenue <laughs> for that. But yeah, that game preservation, that's a whole other area that is definitely in need of someone to take it over. I don't know if that's archive.org or something like that. That's going to be a major problem.
1: Think about all the times that Apple at their various keynotes have had game demos on on stage, right? And they're always painful, okay? But they're designed to show off, this is the best that we can deliver on this hardware. You know, it's the best expression of the hardware. None of those games are on Apple Arcade. Yeah. Why not? Mm-hmm. Why not just throw whatever money they need to throw to get all those games that they demoed as best in class and put them on Apple Arcade. It might give a reason for people to subscribe. Yeah. It might give some additional revenue. And Surely there's no downside to it. I mean... I
0: wonder how much those publishers don't want to do it. That's the other piece, though, is as much as Apple wants them to be on there, if they're only saying, you know, you get two cents for every time somebody starts up your app in the arcade maybe the deal just sucks i I don't know what it looks like from a from a game publisher standpoint other than just saying hey we're gonna promote you on apple arcade and it's like yeah but that's for you know a day yeah and then what happens you know on day 60 when literally no one even opens my app anymore and i've only gotten eight dollars I don't know what that deal looks like. Maybe the deal is just shit. And that's why we're not getting a lot of games.
2: And that's why I wonder when it comes to the point of game preservation, I know my suggestion is probably ridiculous, but you think about how in TV streaming companies like Netflix really jumped in and bought up all of this stuff to create a library of content. And yes, those things start to fade, you know, things like friends or the office when studios wake up to themselves and go, "Oh no, we need to actually have this on our platform or take it back. Why not do something like that with games? Because I know, I mean, Natasha probably won't mind me sharing, but she told me about how much she loved iToy back in the day on the PlayStation 2 or things like Snake uh, on on old Nokia phones. And I know I'm just sort of grabbing at different examples, but people have really, really strong memories of these classic games. And like both of you just mentioned before, these classic iPhone games that come on, suddenly everyone starts talking about arcade again. What if they could buy things or license things Uh, and be a little bit more imaginative so people go oh that thing with that brand power or recognition or nostalgia is now on that apple thing i want to try that out yeah surely it's possible
0: how long until there's apple app catalog where you pay 50 bucks a month and everyone that opts into it your app it's basically set app On your phone all right you know like you don't have to necessarily be in that but if you check a box as a developer you're now in the apple app catalog and everyone that subscribes to apple app catalog just gets you know all the apps no more of this you know buy every single app you know in-app purchase bullshit it's just like you know pay whatever the number per month and you get access to all the apps it could be really terrible or it could be really good or maybe it's just kind of something in the middle. I don't know, but it just seems like a natural, everything is already a subscription at this point. Yeah. When is it just, you know, pay if, if you want to get super cynical about it, at some point you just get to, you pay Apple $150 a month. They give you a phone and a tablet and a laptop and access to all the apps And you just are renting the whole thing. I know that's like, I'm not saying I want that. I'm just saying like in a super, you know, cynical subscription world, that kind of seems like the logical progression. I'm
1: going to have to mail this tie to you, Jason, because you've just nailed the business model. The perfect perfect (laughs) business model has just been outlined by you, Mr. Burke. You get the tie. Oh, man. That goes, echoes completely against
0: uh, everything that is my personality test
1: well there's a segue what's this personality test you speak of a couple weeks ago
0: i think it was a couple weeks ago maybe it was a couple days ago
1: i got a link to
0: a person i think it's a personality test basically it feel it basically what it feels like is one of those things where when you've been at a a larger-ish company Somebody hears about a thing that is like a type test basically of what kind of person. At Myers you are. Briggs. Yeah, right. And then everybody in the company has to take this thing to figure out how everybody works best with each other. Everybody's annoyed about it. They all do it because their manager says they have to, which is kind of <laughs> what happened here. And then you, you know, have a two to three hour review session with your team about how everybody, you know, did, and then you never talk about it again. That's usually how these go. And whoever provided the test made probably several million dollars. (laughs) Anyway, not that I've done several of these in my life. But my manager sent me one of these the other day, um, the gentleman that's currently wearing a tie, and I thought, you know, what the the hell? I'm going to take it. I'm going to do it. It's called Principles. What is it
2: called? Principles Principles U. U. Yes. Not a sponsor, right? We're just clarifying that?
1: Not a sponsor, although if they're they're more than welcome to sign up or even buy a Patreon package. Yeah. Ray Dalio is behind it. I think he's some sort of big wig in the VC scene. So uh, I'm sure he could afford a monthly subscription.
0: If anyone can burn VC money, it's me. So send it our way.
1: Um, So I took the
0: test. It took maybe, I don't know, 20 minutes or so. And it's one of those where it just asks you kind of a pretty general question about you And then you answer anywhere from strongly disagree to strongly agree. And there's like four or five options in between. I think neutral was in the middle. Once you get through about 10 minutes of it, you start questioning basically everything about your existence. And (laughs) you start answering the questions as you start out answering the questions objectively. Then you start answering them as what would somebody else say if they were asked this question about me? Then you double, double guess yourself on each one. Then you start thinking that it's asking you the same questions slightly differently <laughs> to check and see if you're a liar. I noticed that. So then you go through yes. that. You kind of have like the whole like deaf you know levels of 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 self-reflection. Then you start wondering, you know, when the hell is this gonna be over? Because it doesn't give you any kind of progress <laughs> as to how far long you are. So and then you finish and then you read through the things. And the thing I like about this one is it instantly lets you start comparing yourself to basically whoever they they call it friends which i thought was interesting because i I would think this would be more in a work type environment so i don't i mean friends is fine whatever frenemies but anyway you can you can compare it compare yourself to to your friends anyway i took the test and i found it to be kind of interesting uh mostly because i got to see andrew's side of things and i was interested to see how incredibly different and or alike we are it gives you an archetype and mine is the individualist really i'm surprised surprise surprise
2: i've never heard that word to describe any american
0: (laughs) i'm a trailblazer if you hadn't noticed
1: (laughs) i'm looking at the little islands you really are just an Islanded all by yourself. Wow.
0: Yeah, it's kind of depressing, actually. I was pretty excited about it because it gives you, it said I was an individualist, then artisan, and then entertainer were my three most closely matched archetypes. What were you guys?
2: Well, I was very amused for a start because I didn't really read the email properly. So I did the entire test and got my results, but didn't do the comparison thing. So Well, look, I completed the test. I just didn't compare with you two, but I do have the full PDF here. I thought it was very fascinating and I actually found it pretty accurate. I I don't place a lot of, not necessarily trust, but a lot of emphasis or importance on personality tests like this because I'm generally anti-quantification in that way. But I I do think it's a pretty cool tool to compare with others. So, I mean, how do you want to run through it? Well, what is your primary archetype, Martin? Okay, so my primary archetype, which uh, I feel is somewhat predictable or relevant, you could you could disagree. My best match is the orchestrator. What?
1: So <laughs> at least it's not the uh, the dominator or something like that with the filled foot coming down hard. Well, the summary here I
2: can read it to you. It says you are most like the orchestrator. Orchestrators excel at bringing people together organizing around them and mobilizing resources to achieve and exceed expectations they tend to be planful precise engaging and people oriented it's like a linkedin recipe right there (laughs) yeah i think you should just copy and paste
0: that over to your linkedin right now because i think that's that's it that's the key
2: and what what i particularly enjoyed was the fact that it gives you the talents and the growth needs which is just a way of saying what you're good at and what you're not very good at yeah i'd be interested to hear what yours are so what was your archetype Andrew We've got uh, What do we have Individualist We have orchestrator And what are you
1: My best match Is a planner What Of course
0: Come on
1: (laughs) Planners are driven To put structure And systems around goals Translating ideas Into practical And achievable plans They tend to be Planful Methodical And results oriented Now it doesn't say this But I can add on Just don't get the planner To actually do the doing Because at that point I'm like I'm out Don't make me actually (laughs) Do stuff I'll plan out how to get this stuff done But that's on somebody else to do it You'll notice that Jason is actually the one who does all the creative work Martin, you're the one who organizes and gets us together ah, What is Andrew actually doing? That. Damn it, he's doing right. nothing it's Genius To be fair, I also have the attributes of the investigator and the strategist
2: Well, I had some crossover with Jason in that uh, my good match and my moderate match were entertainer and planner actually i cross over with both of you in a way oh Uh, so
0: you and i both have entertainer you and andrew have oh planner
1: we need to venn diagram this don't we i think so so i'm like the hybrid of two of you in a way yes it's the the other thing that's fantastic about this is it doesn't just go to that level of detail it gives you all your how you prefer to think like, are you creative or deliberative or practical? How you engage with other people? How you apply yourself? And there's all these different explanations. And with any personality test, these are always like, well, duh. You read it and you think, well, duh. And it should be kind of duh because you're looking at your own answers about yourself, right? So it should sort of make sense. So I think that's kind of cool. But So getting that in itself and about you is is kind of interesting to read. But where it really comes in to value and I guess this is where they're going to try and sell it to the corporate companies is when you compare your results with one other person now unfortunately Martin didn't follow the instructions (laughs) so he doesn't get the benefit of this (laughs) but there's actually a whole page where you like I'm looking at it here and I'm saying compare results between Mm -hmm. me and Jason and it gives us charts and so, so it shows us on all these different measures am I low very low moderate high very high where do i sit and then where does jason sit on that same measure so we can see that the first one that jumps out in the creative measure guess what i am guys very low (laughs) jason is very high
2: i also have my own scores so i can throw in if if you're curious about any particular one i'm just not on your. tell us
1: what you are on creative because we're the polar opposites
2: all right here we go i'm just scrolling scrolling. hopefully moderate so he's right in the middle (laughs) Uh, high at 64 percent okay
0: pretty good pretty, pretty good. good we can go through all of them but i was just thinking like what is your lowest one what is your highest one and which one did you look at and were either surprised and or angry at the level <laughs> <that it was? laughs> which probably says a lot actually if you're angry at it <laughs> martin you can go first
2: okay so my highest one At 95%, very high, was that I think conceptually. Mm. uh, And my lowest, at 11%, was practicality.
1: (laughs) (laughs) My lowest, at 3%, was tough. I am an absolute pushover. You tend to be less confrontational and more diplomatic in your style, seeking cooperation and compromise over more disagreement and critique of others, others' ideas and positions. Yeah, I'll run from a fight. I'm not interested in having it.
2: Sorry, this is in your engagement category, is that right? That's yes, where that
1: is. That's my lowest. How I engage with others.
2: What was your toughness, Jason? Because I feel this correlates to how I'm accused with being the feldfoot, so this would put it to rest. Uh
0: thirty-eight percent
2: low. Forty eight percent moderate. Whoa. So it's not in the high category, but I'm definitely not. Oh, this tougher thing is broken. Years, so.
0: It's broken. We all know it's hundred
2: and forty-eight percent. What you it it says here, generally straightforward in expressing your thoughts and opinions. No, never. I, that's not me. What? Right. <laughs> Who would have imagined yeah. it? Pry it at you. Now, Jason, what was your highest and lowest?
0: Highest is under, how you prefer to think, creative, 93%. Very high. And my lowest, I have a lot of low ones. <laughs> got a 7%, 8%. It looks like practical is my lowest, very low, which is completely accurate.
2: Is that risky for a podcast for two thirds of its uh, hosting staff to be impractical? I don't know. <laughs>
0: Screw practicality.
2: What was your highest, Martin? Uh, my highest was thinking conceptually. That was the one. Although up there in the high was uh, detail and reliability, extroversion, extroversion. Mm.
1: Human.
0: Detailed and re- reliable for me it was high too. 74 on that
2: one. Yeah,
1: I got 74 for detailed and reliable. This is how we've managed to keep a podcast running for this length of time. Oh man, with our craft documents and Trello notes and everything cuz we're detailed and reliable.
0: Leadership 74. I
1: yeah, got that's pretty high. Huh?
2: Oh, I got 7%. <laughs> oh, wow. I got 68. Oh, <laughs> that's amazing.
1: 7%. Just tell me what to do guys, I'm right there with you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Which one did you find to be like, that's not right. Like, which one did you look at and say like, come on, that's, that's BS or just, you were very surprised okay. by
1: Okay. Well, firstly I should just share, just to close the loop, I'll say my highest was conceptual um, at 82%. I like to think abstractly and ph- philosophically using theories and models to solve problems, like a spreadsheet. So the, the most wrong, wh- what was your most wrong, Martin?
2: Hmm. My most wrong. Uh, it gave me 40% moderate for flexible and said, you prefer environments with less change and uncertainty and tend to be less focused on personal growth and development while being versatile in the roles you play in different circumstances. I felt that was pretty accurate, but I actually thought the 40% moderate rating was too generous.
1: Okay.
2: I think I'm actually a little bit more rigid than what it, than what it said, but I'm happy to take that compliment. (laughs) So you're being flexible. Yeah, I'm being flexible with the flexible writing.
0: (laughs) So I'm upset at the humble category.
2: (laughs) Let's see if he's humble or not in this.
0: But now for another reason, because when I think of humble, it seems to be different than what it's saying in the description. So first of all, under humble, 10% come on. That's not
1: true typical American <laughs>
0: that is just not true and then it says you you tend to be less receptive to critical feedback that's valid um but I wouldn't it doesn't that doesn't say humble to me um so less valid to rece- or less receptive to critical feedback or eager to openly exa- examine your mistakes weaknesses and blind spots he's getting angry about it you the already. <laughs> What do you (laughs) mean? And may prefer to project self confidence rather than modesty.
2: What is this? this? Self confidence, I would not equate necessarily with gloating or bragging. Do you know what I mean? You can be self confident and sure of yourself, but not go projecting or professing it. So, yeah. I mean, it seems a little bit mixed in its meaning there. But, yeah, I do like the irony of this.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'll show you humble. The one I'm most uncomfortable with is my category about how I engage with others. And the, the category itself is nurturing.
2: Oh, yeah. You were low on that.
1: I got a score of 7% nurturing.
2: Because your results are Andrew.
1: <laughs> you tend to be less sensitive and aware of people's needs, feelings, and tendencies.
2: I have been meaning to talk to you about that.
1: Need to talk to HR. But like, fair <laughs> enough, okay? I can see that to a point. I am not the most cuddly you know, like bear around. But that makes me seem like a total prick.
0: You're a monster.
1: I like to think that I at least give some consideration to how others are feeling and how they might be taking things. That just sounds like I'm just bull at a gate, like bugger you, we're doing it my way.
2: Do you think though, and look, I mean, I haven't worked with you in an office environment outside of this very official podcast, with you wearing a tie. Straighten it. Straighten tie. It might not necessarily mean that you're getting stuck into people, or you know, being aggressive. Yeah, well, I'm only three percent tough.
1: Find-
2: <laughs> yeah, there you go. So you're not tough. You're not. You're not barking at people. That makes total sense. So is it? Do you find yourself in uh, working circumstances to just not really engage with other people and their stories? Do you know what I mean? You're not dismissing them, mm. but you're not getting emotionally invested in things. That Did, is pr- do you, that's probably are you detached?
1: true. Yeah, that's probably true. I, yeah. It is hard to find that part of me that cares enough about that stuff.
2: Because how, how do we compare? I would say, what about you, Jason? How, how nurturing are you?
1: Oh, I'm
0: hella nurturing.
1: Uh, 41%. Give him a
0: hug.
2: Well, I'm sorry guys, but I've been rated with nurturing 63%. So what does that mean for the feldfoot? Oh, well, that's because you have Mac Mini now.
0: But <laughs> I mean, let's be fair. You have to throw in the Mac, the Mac Mini coefficient there. Yeah. If you would have taken this previously to that, it would have been like one percent. That's but right. Like so you're is, saying that I've been up sixty-two your...
2: percent by fatherly hormones? Is that it?
0: Yeah, yeah. This this turned your 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 black heart into uh, gold.
2: It's true. I noticed a lot of movement from my chest recently that wasn't there before. Like this kind of pulsating. Yep, What's see? all that about?
0: Yep. Mac mini coming to the rescue. Uh,
1: there's one that I'm particularly interested in. And it's the one that I've gotten better about over time. I, if I'd done this quiz a few years ago, I would have gotten a very low score. And I, I feel like I've improved. And it's been an active, I've actively been trying to improve this part of my personality. And that is extroversion.
0: Oh, yeah. Where is that?
1: Because I used to be shy as anything, and I'm still not Mr. Extroversion, but I'm no longer fearful of talking to people or anything like that. I'm doing a podcast for goodness sake. Um, <laughs> so, so my extroverted score was 28%, which is still low, granted, but I think that's a market improvement on what I might have gotten previously.
2: So does that sit in the low category? Is it that, does that still
1: say low, which I'm a little disappointed okay. about because I would have liked to have got at least gotten into the medium or something. It you tend to prefer less social activity and to engage in more intimate settings, be more cautious than adventurous in the activities you like to participate in, with moderate comfort asserting yourself in social situations when necessary. And I think that last bit maybe crank that up a little bit more. But just curious where you guys sit with extroverted.
0: I'm gonna guess Martin is like
2: 95.
0: 80, 80 plus for sure. I'm going to say like an
2: 83. Very close. 81%. Very high.
0: <clears throat> thought so.
2: Yeah. Apparently I thrive at the epicenter of social activities.
0: I've always thought of you as the epicenter. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's true though. Um, I, I mean, I've shared stories with you before about how I can't resist speaking to people in public situations, particularly like at service counters. I have this i don't know this
1: uncontrollable
2: urge to talk
1: mm. you're in the right medium
2: yeah that's it somehow I managed to rein it in and share the microphone with two other people so that's good but yeah you are correct i'm very extroverted
1: i think jason's probably around 63 maybe maybe attending a little bit higher
2: he has said that he's pretty introverted though so i don't know in actual reality i would
0: be probably about a three so most people don't this. i am a uh, i am a timid mouse who is afraid of its own shadow in re- in regard to extroversion, but I have crafted and molded and built an infrastructure of fake extroversion that I am able to put on like a Superman suit, a persona. So therefore, I'm I am able to break tests like this. So instead of a three, I've got a thirty nine.
1: Well done. Yeah. Pretty good. Lower than I thought you'd get. I honestly, you come across as such a more extroverted person than I think you give yourself credit for.
0: Oh yeah, you don't know what's going on up up uh, between these headphones.
2: <laughs> Just fear, pure fear. You two are definitely on one end of the scale, and I'm far on the other side. So, what is it particularly that you would say makes you more uncomfortable or feel more introverted? Because right now, I think you know we have a great discussion you know online particularly things like microblog had I never spoken to both of you personally in this way before I would have thought both of you were fairly extroverted you seem very open to to share things but sometimes it doesn't mean that it's more about whether you're the life of the party or whether you get your ideas from external sources you know who knows so where would you say that the true introverted nature comes out in both of you andrew do you want to start
1: i think with me it comes out in that it's it's that where you get your energy from so I don't mind spending okay. time with people, but it it depletes my battery, and and I can feel. It and I'll hit, get a point. I'll get to a point after you know a couple of hours or two or three hours or whatever. and It's like, oh man, I'm I need to get out of here. I'm worn out. And then I'll if I'm home by myself, total quiet, not even music playing, just quiet. I can feel that battery charging back up. It's like ah oh, yeah, this is the stuff. The irony is that my, the job that I do now, my jobby job. I have to go and meet new people all the time and talk to strangers and get to know them. And so that is just like, I am okay now, but I do know that if I have to do a lot of that in one week, by the end of it, it's like, Oh man, I'm out. And
2: that's probably improved things for you as well. Like you were saying.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like anything, you do it enough. You get practice and you get better at it.
2: Yeah. For, for me, it's uh, if
0: I have to see people be around people think about people, exist within the same confines as people. Pretty much just those areas um, are debilitating. Life in general and mostly work have ruined that and and fixed all that because for work, I mean, it would be, you know, go stand on a stage and give a two and a half hour talk to 10,000 people. And it's like nothing will... Snap you out of that faster than that. I still feel like whenever I do stuff like that, though, I feel like as soon as I get up onto a stage, I black out, give the entire talk, and at the very end, I just kind of like wake up and it's over. (laughs) So, and it's worked really well so far. And you survived. Yeah, I'm still there. So, I did find another one that made me mad, though. If I could add one more. Oh, yeah. Status seeking. The last thing I want to do is be noticed. This was so high. I don't, I don't know. I don't agree with this at all. (laughs) Mm. Oh, it was 77%, by the way. High. Like, that's huge. It it basically is saying you're the kind of person that wants, you know, 10,000 likes on your well, I don't have any, I don't use any services anymore that have likes, but let's say I was on Twitter and it would be like, you know, you want to have 10,000 followers or whatever. No.
2: I'm one of those people who says they don't care about what others think, but really secretly I very much do. (laughs) So I don't really care about likes and all that thing, like Jason said, with social media. Uh, And I don't, even though I'm quite extroverted and I get a, a rush from positive feedback in a group and particularly when people laugh at what i say if people laugh at what i say that's <laughs> the end of it in the there we go andrew Oh, the visceral reaction oh there we go <laughs> but uh yeah I, I don't seek to show off or improve my status and obsess over my self-image but if there's a compliment or praise to be given ooh, so yeah Uh, not so closeted status seeker
1: we've all done million of these surveys before and the good news is as part of the hemispheric views new corporate plan (laughs) we will be doing these annually so we'll be able to do a um we'll be able to a b test ourselves and look for ways that we've improved as people and as a team i cannot wait so yes don't forget keep this save that pdf martin save your login jason media corner media 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 corner
0: i'm gonna do music this time it's a i guess a group yeah group it's two gentlemen i believe and what they do is they take predominantly music from games and jazz them up and by jazz them up i mean turn them into jazz songs basically (laughs) So they're called Gentle Love is what they go by when they collaborate on these things. And the majority of them are called Prescription for Sleep, and then it'll be colon, like, whatever the game is. So there's one for Celeste. Um, There's one called Lullabies of Mana. There's another one coming out pretty soon that's for Stardew Valley. Even if you don't care about video game music or think you like it, I would absolutely say go into your music thing of choice Uh, i'm sure they all have it i am looking at it in apple music right now and give it a listen it i think you'll find pretty quickly if it's your thing or not but it's just it's nice music to there's no words it's just kind of background music to have going in the house when you're you know doing whatever really i'm all about it now i just have this thing playing like 24 7. And um, there's, I think, like, four or five albums at this point. And the Stardew Valley one is coming out, I want to say, mid-month this month. So, yeah, check it out. There's, like, Shovel Knight. There's one that's kind of a, a compilation of different, uh, different game songs. Undertale is on there. Really cool, really nice just music to have going. Uh, yeah, check it out.
2: So was this delivered to you algorithmically or by personal recommendation? Or was it that cool new tool that's come out called iTunes Genius?
0: Uh, I came across it in, I think it was actually my RSS feed from somewhere. I'm not sure where, but it was something game related. And it was about the Stardew Valley one that's coming out in the next month or so. And I was like, oh, that sounds cool. So I went and looked for it to play it and found it on Bandcamp and then from there searched then found they had other albums and then I've landed on Apple Music and it was like do I have it already cuz so many times I will find something like that and just insta buy it and then find out that I quote already have it via <laughs> something else I'm paying for um so this time one of the rare times I was smart enough to go search first in Apple Music to see if I had it and I did. Yeah, there you go. Gentle Love, Prescription for Sleep. There's six or six or so albums on there.
2: Cool pick. Very good. What have you got, Martin? Normally there's a story attached. Uh it's not a super interesting story, but I'm gonna tell it anyway. Quite often in this very study in which I'm sitting, I'll just walk in if I have a spare moment and stare at my bookshelf. Right. Natasha and I share these bookshelves against the wall. I've read most of the books, but sometimes I just stare at the books that I want to read. That I haven't had time to read and feel this sense of woe and dread and, you know, God, what if I had the time to read those books? But then I move slightly to the left or the right, I avert my gaze and I discover something that I loved and have already read. And I did exactly that earlier today, and I wanted to share a text with you that I recommend everyone should read. And it kind of matches up with my warped sense of humor. Have you heard of Mulvania, a land untouched by modern dentistry?
0: (laughs) I mean, I've read it four times, but no. (laughs) Tell us about it as though I have not read it already.
2: Okay, so... This book is the first in what was known as the Jet Lag Travel Series, Jet Lag Travel Guides. Uh, I got this in high school and absolutely loved it. I remember taking it in the car with me sometimes to, you know, like if my sister had soccer lessons or soccer practice or something, I got sick of watching. I would read this book. It's written by Santa Chilaro, Tom uh, Gleisner and Rob Sitch. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Australians might know some of those guys, and they're linked to some of the people who did things like uh, the TV series Frontline in Australia, or even things like that Jar series on the Late Show, Cracker Jack. A lot of these guys have crossover. Anyway, getting back to it, the Jetlag Travel series is a completely fake travel series. These are made up travel guides about countries that do not exist. And what I love about it is that not only is it hilarious, but if you look through the book, right, beautifully done spreads, color coded recommendations sites (laughs) to visit the whole lot and it's completely made up and this first one mulvania is this kind of like it might even be pre-borat or around the time of borat yeah first published in 2003 there you go so i was just finishing primary school (laughs) when this came out Uh, (laughs) you're so young (laughs) yeah it's like a made-up former soviet hellhole and it's great uh like if i just read here the description is Mulvania, a land untouched by modern dentistry, is the definitive guide to one of Eastern Europe's most overlooked destinations. Once known only by war historians and Soviet drug runners, this landlocked (laughs) republic is now finally being discovered by the discerning traveller. And this latest jet lag travel guide offers all you need to know about getting there, getting around, and safely escaping the forgotten jewel that is (laughs) Mulvania. And it's just brilliant. And you get photos like this really unhappy guy playing a piano accordion. Uh, reminds me of every Macedonian wedding that I've attended. You even get to learn about places like uh, the best place to dine on a budget or health alerts about bed bugs. So, honestly, check it out, Jetlag Travel Guide. If you're not as into the pre, sorry, post-Soviet era thing as I am, uh, I have the other two up there. There's Fake Tan, which is a fake Southeast Asian country, and San Sombrero, which is uh, like a made-up Central American place. So, check it out. That's my
1: recommendation for today. So how many of those did they make?
2: I think there were three. But if you actually look inside the cover, they ma- this is how much they made up. They actually made up that they did further ones. <laughs> so you've got, uh, there is Sansombrough, which they ended up doing. But they had Taki Tiki, Bongo Swana, Tofu Islands, <laughs> Mustachistan and the Syphilis Straits. <laughs> so they just used to make up all of these ridiculous places and the effort they've even made up phone numbers, addresses, everything. That's impressive. Thank you. I leave that with you.
1: Next time I go to Wollongong, I'm going to stop by your little library and read that book.
2: At this stage, how do you even know Wollongong is real?
0: I, I still don't believe that it is, but <laughs>
2: <laughs> could just be made up.
1: Well, I've got a very quick media corner, I won't waste much of people's times. It's a very simple TV series. Streaming here on Amazon Prime That doesn't mean it's on Amazon Prime anywhere else But it is Star Trek Lower Decks Alright it's, it's an official Star Trek property So it's got the Gene Roddenberry stamp of approval on it But it's animated And each one runs for 30 minutes Star Trek usually focuses on the captain And the, 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 crew, the, the crew on the bridge And all the important people on the ship this one, by its very name, Lower Decks, focuses on the less famous people. The treaties. The red shirts. Plebs. Yeah, the people that have to clean up the messes and do the unglamorous things. It's a comedy. It's a comedy Star Trek. It is really good. And because it's got all the official licensing, they can use all the different characters and that kind of thing. They make fun of themselves, but they don't overdo it. So it's not... A complete piss take of Star Trek So it's still in the world of Star Trek But they kind of make some gags along the way About the the older ones But the quality of the writing is And the acting It's just fantastic Highly highly recommend it It doesn't take long to work through the season I think it's 10 episodes I don't think you need to be a Trekkie To really like
0: it Are there any episodes where they take a personality test To see how they better can work together No
1: Damn are not Season two.
0: <laughs> so just can I tie two things together? You said animated series earlier. You talked about Matrix. I'm just going to throw out the Animatrix as well as another thing oh, that was I love pretty that. damn cool from like 2000 something.
2: It was 2003.
0: It was in the Matrix universe, but it was like, I think it was two or three like sub little mini animated movies that were kind of based. I believe it was nine. Nine. Was it nine? Holy crap.
2: Yeah. Wow. Sorry to take over your recommendation. <laughs>
0: no, no, that's fantastic. I just vaguely, you said Matrix earlier and then you just said animated and it was like popped it back into my head. I haven't seen it in probably since when it came out in 2003. But um, I remember it being very cool and just very different in terms of what it was. So I, I'm going to recommend it having not seen it in a long time.
2: It's well worth watching, if anyone hasn't seen it, because it was, just to extend what you said, it was kind of used as an expansion of the Matrix universe, but also a promotional tool for the Matrix Reloaded. Mm. So one of the films, the short films, was Final Flight of the Osiris, which shows what happens before the Matrix Reloaded to enable them to discover that the machines are digging to destroy the city of Zion. There's also a two-part animated uh, short called The Second Renaissance, which gives you the entire history of the machine wars and the downfall of humanity that led to the creation of the matrix and then there are side stories of different exceptional beings that release themselves from the system
0: well i've just looked and it's in my plex library so anyone that is in the correct patreon tier and has access to my plex library (laughs) can watch it
1: that's not necessarily a scalable tier well actually you're on a gigabit ethernet you're fine gigabit fiber i got
0: fiber We're, we're good Bring it on!
1: Just don't connect to Martin's Plex server. You might have more troubles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, that's all that needs to be said. <laughs> Do you remember real player? It's <laughs> getting video oh. from Martin. is a bit like watching watching real video. I think that's generous, isn't it? <laughs>